Welcome to another edition of the Smart Driving Cars podcast. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon. And joining us again is Michael Senna, transportation expert, consultant, and publisher of the Dispatcher newsletter. Great to see you again, Michael. Thank you, Fred. Nice to be here with you again. Hello, Alan. Hi, Michael. Good luck to Sweden tonight. Thank you. (laughs) The lead article in the July-August edition of the Dispatcher is how important is exact location for highly automated driving? So, Michael, we'll turn to you and ask you for an overview to begin with here. I've been uh, I've been thinking about this and trying to 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 figure a way of of putting the my thoughts into into words, um, and it, it's been very difficult for me because the, the the problem that I've had is that the focus for highly automated driving, driverless autonomous uh, driving, has been very much on sensors, and Tesla decides they're not going to use. Um, uh, radar, so it's 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 headlines, and the stock goes up and down, and and someone else says, you know, we're, we're we've got all of these uh, better better methodologies and better algorithms for for uh, for cameras, and we can do many things, but but no one is really talking about the about road data, and it's it's almost as if the cars are driving or or being driven inside of a of a, a video game. As opposed to being driven on on real streets that have you know real surfaces, and so I've I've been trying to think of how to to attack this problem, and the way I've done this is to say, it seems to me that we have right now we have two solutions. We have the Waymo solution where their cars can be driven somewhere, and that somewhere is right now is in Chandler, Arizona. Um, they have a few other places, but basically in, in Channel, Arizona, and in within a fenced area, the operational design domain that they have. And they've got all kinds of sensors. They have offline support. If something goes wrong in the vehicle, they can see from, a, from an offline support location. They can provide data. They're constantly matching the data that the, the, all of the sensors are seeing and feeling with the data that's off-board. And they've got everything that they possibly can have in order to guide this this car traveling at no more than 40 miles an hour along the streets of Chandler. Then we have the other side where we have Tesla's solution where they claim, even though, okay, they don't claim that they can drive everywhere, but everywhere, everyone who buys their autopilot system and decides they're going to use it, they seem to believe that it can be driven everywhere. But even when it's in places where it should be operational on a road, four lane divided highway and so on, there's still crashes. And the difference seems to be that the Tesla option depends on what the car is seeing, as opposed to having massive amounts of data exchange between servers that that are offline and data that's being processed online. So within these, these two options, what Tesla is trying to do is to provide a solution for series production vehicles. Series production vehicles being vehicles that everybody buys and drives everywhere. And what Waymo is dedicated to do and seems to be doing very well is providing a solution, which is a fleet solution that will will do certain things within a certain area. And it seems to be doing the doing them very well. So if we're going to get to a series production vehicle where cars are able to drive everywhere without having massive amounts of data, in other words, if if you have to have a car that does what Waymo does, no one would be able to, to afford it. It can only be used for fleet applications, couldn't possibly be used for, for anything else. And whether we agree with it or not, for the, at least for this foreseeable future, people will buy cars. 
people and people will use those cars to do what they need to do with cars. That's why 80 or to 90% of the, the, the trips that are made today are with private automobiles and not with buses and, and scooters and bicycles. Uh, so I brought into this situation um, a company, Road Database, Road DB, which is claiming and attempting to do what seems to need to be done, which is to provide the data to the vehicle in a way that is affordable without having massive amounts of data being transferred back and forth and having the vehicle dependent on an off-board database for being able to do what it's doing. Uh, but at the same time, providing support from an offline database for those situations where data might be, be needed. And that's where I brought in the, the, the company RoadDB. Um, I think the, the solutions will be somewhere and it's not going to be tomorrow. It seems that it's going to be taking some time. It will be somewhere between having massive amounts of data and support and offline support for certain applications and closer to, for series production vehicles, closer to what is being done currently by Road DB. And I'm not sure if there are other companies. I don't know of any other companies that are, that are doing what Road DB are doing. So that's that's the, the the short summary of what the article is trying to to approach. Uh, I guess the two of us have been dealing with this digital map database issue for a very long time, uh, even dating back to turn by turn navigation. Uh, you know, but here with uh, with uh, automated driving, there's not only the navigation piece. You know, where do I turn? Uh, but uh, also uh, the piece of uh, how do I make sure I stay on the road and don't hit anything? Yep. And, um, and so, you know, that, that additional piece of information is really important. Um, <clears throat> my personal view on all this is that, is that the massive amounts of offline data being transferred down and having everything, uh, you know, to a centimeter accuracy, blah blah blah, is um, is is not very appealing to me. Uh, um, uh, why? Because it's not the way I drive. It's not the way you drive. I mean, the the, the way we drive is that um, is I you know I'd like to say I don't even know where where I am, uh, and I don't need to know where I am really. I mean, I sort of know, hey, I'm in Jersey. I'm not in Sweden. Great. Uh, but, but what's important is that I know things relative to my nose or relative to the hood ornament of my car and where things are relative to that. That's what I really need to know. And then the rest of it, I can probably just rely on the signposts that are out there that with all the people that still just have Rand McNally paper maps on their on their steering wheels, uh, trying to uh, go from A to B. This is one of the reasons why the the topic is so difficult because it's not it's not navigation. We're not discussing navigation. The car needs to know where it's going. It needs to know that it's going to go from where it started to where it needs to go to, and it needs to follow a route. Um, that's the kind of thing that if we if we're driving the car, we know where we're going and we know how to, to get there. Oftentimes, we somehow we, we miss a turn because we take the same road to go to work as it take as opposed to taking the same road to go to a restaurant. And I did it this past weekend. I, I made a made a the wrong turn because I normally take the wrong turn, but that turn to do something else. Um, but it's 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 primarily to keep the car on the road it's not a, it's not a matter of of knowing that the navigation that, that the car needs to do that's of course it has to do that um and that's part of the data that you're going to be getting knowing where the car is going that's what this this uh electronic horizon is for knowing where the car is going and having an idea that you know there's a hill ahead there's a there's a turn a turn ahead that you need to slow down and those kinds of things but it's it's staying on the road I mean, if you follow some, there's a there's a video out there of, of somebody in a Tesla showing what the car is doing, in in so-called autopilot, and it's and it's 
you get sick just watch being in there because the car is kind of all over the place you're not quite sure what it's what it's doing it's having a hard time staying on the road it's in a city it shouldn't be doing this they should not be using this application where they're using it but to see it versus what Waymo does when you're driving away you see the same videos with Waymo and it looks like some normal person is driving the car because they can they they have all of the data that they need to keep the car in the lane and they know very very to the to the you know not millimeter but maybe centimeter where the car has to be that's not the case with tesla my argument uh, my sort of argument against that is is that uh, is that to have first of all databases with centimeter accuracy all over the place the question is is centimeter accuracy relative to what and of course, if it's centimeter accuracy relative to the surface and your, your center of your coordinate system is in the center of the earth, I mean, my goodness. And what you want to do, the key thing is that I want differences. I want, I want where things are relative to my nose. Yeah. And that's what road so data. That's I'm what taking the differences of two very big numbers. Those numbers have to be yeah. like whatever. Yeah. And that's what, ro- that's what Russ is. That's what road DB is doing. That's exactly what road DB yeah. is doing. So I, I think, and, and that's fine, okay? But to me, that's only half of the problem. Mm-hmm. Half of the problem is I don't, I have to stay within the white lines, which are, stay, they're not moving. If they moved, I mean, then we're in real trouble. And, and I, I can't hit any stationary objects. Right. My real challenge when I'm driving is to not hit the deer that crossed in front of me two days ago that I completely whatever it and now I, my car is who knows gone for who knows what. Okay. And the automated emergency braking in the Mercedes did not function at all. And I'm really ticked, uh, you know, damn it. Okay. Because it should have seen that. And supposedly they talk about that, 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 that stuff. That, that, it's not a matter of the database. The systems don't work. Okay, the automated emergency braking systems in the system don't work. And, and why don't they probably work on, on, a, on a damn uh, um, uh, Tesla is because the free space that is looking out there is the free space on the surface. It's not a free volume. If I'm going to move in a road ahead without anything, without hitting anything, I need free volume ahead. Just because there was air underneath a deer that dove in front of me and a boom and I smashed directly, bam, okay, damn it, I need the whole space because I have to put through my whole car body. Mm-hmm. So it can't just be width, okay, it has yeah. to be height too. <clears throat> and damn it, they're not doing it. And they're not they're not monitoring well enough the dynamic the stuff that's happening in real time that has no opportunity to exist in a database. So even if I have the most precise database, I've only solved half of the problem. Yeah, and that, that's the other half is the moving stuff. So then and, when I solve the and that's why stuff, and that's why we have Waymo operating in Chandler, Arizona, at forty miles an hour. And nobody else, and nobody else, being able to do anything from for a serious production vehicle, but anywhere outside of a very limited area, to be able to. to and, they assume, and they assume there's not a deer about to come out of the woods, and there's not a kid. I didn't know whether I hit a deer or a kid. Honest to God, I was shaking. All right, what if it would have been a kid? And these no. cars have to be able to deal with that. And they can't, maybe Waymo can a little. Tesla can't. I don't think there are any deer. I don't think there are any deer in Chandler. There are kids. But (laughs) well, kid, deer, same thing. And then I mean, you know, the challenge is if I can assume there's no kid out there, if I fence the thing, if I make an overhead guideway personal rapid transit system that nobody's gonna be out there, stuff's trivial. Yeah. Okay. The challenge is is the dynamic part. And so, yes, it offloads my computer systems for half of it, all all the stationary stuff, all the stuff that I should know. But the real crunch and the real reason why I think Waymo won't venture out of Chandler and come to Trenton 
Is they're afraid of what the heck's going to come out of the woodwork? Who knows what jump in front of it? Not the stationary stuff, the dynamic stuff. I think, I don't know. To me, that's tough. I don't know how to deal with it. Except get a hell of a lot better at what the hell we're doing. Well, the main thing. doing it well. What I I tried to do in in this little little piece um, was to try to, to, to frame the issues. I said that they have closed it until we can get the localization formula just right. No cars or trucks should be allowed outside of restricted areas where authorities have given their permission to a reputable company to do yeah. this. And where the people in the area have given their consent to share the roads with adjacent walkways with cars that don't have a driver. I think that we, at least we have to make sure that, that people aren't put into dangerous situations. I mean, this whole idea, there's, there's organizations that are pressing the U.S. Congress and, is, and pressing countries, country governments in, in, uh, in Europe to allow the kinds of things that are being done with some of these vehicles without really taking into consideration that, the, that this is dangerous. This is, these situations occur and someone can lose their life as a result of it. Waymo is doing a very controlled test in a, in an area where I guess they've got all of the uh, the signatures and all of the agreements that says if something happens and they're and that's why they're they're obeying the traffic laws they're obeying they're they're not driving Absolutely. kilometers an hour so to be able to control the vehicle in, in case there is a deer or a kid that drives out there and so far there hasn't been. There have not been any accidents in Waymo, as far as I understand, at least. Right, and, and this is this, this is extremely serious, and I hope the Congress isn't going to give these companies um, uh, uh, some uh, leeway with respect to uh, to liability associated yep. with these crashes. Yeah, okay, because because all of a sudden, you know, if they can say, "Hey, it's somebody else's problem," then of course, of course, they'll care, but they won't really care. With respect to Elon, you know, you can have your full self-driving as soon as you say, if anything happens, it's on me. Sure. I'll make make it whole. I'll I'll take the responsibility. I'll make everybody whole. But until he's willing to do that, then, hey, it it assumes that you and I go out and, 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 and buy these darn things. We're the ones that are responsible. And if things should go awry, we're the one. I'm the responsible person for hitting that deer and having it splatter all over the darn place. I mean, my goodness, I'm the well, one. I didn't see it coming. Well, Alan, is it? Is I can't it, blame it. I'd love to blame it on Mercedes because they're supposed to have cross traffic warning. Da da do, but da da yes, da da do, da da di da da da. Okay. Is it reasonable to expect the technology to react to things that? Even we can't react in time to, to stop, for instance, this no, collision? No, I think there will be situations in which a meteorite will come down from the sky or a boulder will come out of, you know, the Rocky Mountains and come crush your car. It happens not every day, but it happens. But a deer coming out of the woods. Physics can't, you know. A deer coming out of the woods. MA, baby, you know. Is, is akin to that, isn't it? I mean... You can't you can't really anticipate it if it's coming out of the woods, you know, fifteen feet from you. Sure, there. This isn't going to be accident free. If it has to be accident free, let us just stop right now and let's go play golf, go out in the water, go swimming. You know, forget about it. Watch watch Sweden beat whomever tonight. What 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 could your car have done better? That would have prevented this. Well, if I would have had, you know, surround vision or surround whatever, you could do it with, hey, it actually, it came from left to right. I usually drive down the middle of a road, so I have an equal opportunity to see them coming. But this thing came from something, was heading towards me. If I had 360 vision on it, the camera should have picked it up. The cameras would have picked it up. They would have tracked it. They would have put a velocity vector, acceleration vector. They would have de- de- determined a time to collision. And they should have begun to stop my car. 
Now, maybe this one was so bad, so bad, came out of the woods, wasn't seen, and so on. It's like the boulder coming down from the mountain. Okay, fine. I mean, but this thing, it, Mercedes was as clueless as I was. It didn't see it until I hit it. Same as me. I'm, damn, I'm assuming that, since you're sitting there that you're okay. That. And that's, the, that's, a, that's a key thing here. Assuming, I, I said, I'm assuming since you're sitting there, Alan, that, that you're okay. And oh, yeah, you I'm okay. I mean, I was only going 25 miles an hour. And luckily, I wasn't going faster. If I was going faster, and then the darn thing might have gone through the windshield, and then I wouldn't be here. Okay? I was going slow. I just accelerated from a stop at a stoplight. Maybe I wasn't even doing 25 miles an hour. Hey, if Mercedes really does well, they, they, there's a recording on that. I'd love to see what the recording says. I'd love to see what their radar says. I'd like to see what their radar tracks were. I'd like to see what their vision system saw. I mean, and, and in a sense, there's an, there's an uh, announcement today with from NHTSA that goes out there that wants data reporting on each of these crashes. We should have. It should be made public. We should learn that when Joshua Brown was driving his car on a beautiful day like this on an open road straight in, 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 in Florida, and there happened to be a trailer across, uh, across a road, and his radar unit, I mean, one of the things supposedly, supposedly for radar is it can bounce under the vehicle in front of you and tell you what, what the vehicle in front of you is in front of the vehicle in front of you is doing. Now, do you know how good the signal processing has to be to be able to pick that up? Otherwise, it's assuming you can pass underneath that, that, that tractor trailer when that signal doesn't come back. No wonder Elon got rid of radar. Well, because apparently somebody working for how many years since the Joshua Brown accident and crash, it's not an accident, crash, hasn't been able to correct radar to know well enough when the, the stuff is bouncing back. What's it bouncing back off of? Is it, is it the vehicle that's in front of you or is it, is it bouncing underneath it? And we know we've had these problems with respect to, 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 to GPS. That's why in New York City, of course, GPS useless of them. Things are bouncing all over the place. So you don't even know what, you know, where you are. Okay, fine. But, you know, sign says Fifth Avenue and 47th. Okay, I'm somewhere near Fifth and 47th. Do I need it to know more than that? No. Do I need to be able to see all of the, all of the pedestrians, all of the dogs, all of the scooters, all of the bicyclists, all the stuff that's not in a database and just inch my way down Fifth Avenue? Otherwise, I better be driving and I better be doing with my eyes. I better be and I better. And damn it, even then, the air comes out of nowhere. I don't know. This is tough. It is tough. And while you <laughs> wait, while, while you wait to hear from your insurance company, they, I'm sure you've heard from them already. There's well, another there's another headline in in the dispatcher that reads driverless dreams meet insurance reality. Get into that a bit for us, Michael. Uh, yeah, there are there are activities that are, are trying to prevent. I use the the term irresistible force meeting uh, unstoppable force meeting an immovable object. Um, the immovable object is the insurance industry. They are taking a stand, literally, that they don't want to have situations where liability can be adjudicated. They want to make sure that if, if someone is liable, that that person is known or the entity is known that if, if a car that's in a driverless mode without someone behind the wheel um, hits someone or hits something, that there's responsibility that's assumed. And that's not the case right now. The, the, the situation is we want to be able to test. We want to be able to, to see how all of these things are working. And then we can decide what the situation would be with respect to responsibility for, for uh, 
or, or taking liability. And so you, you have you have these two groups who are saying, you know, we don't want to take the responsibility now to say that if something happens, we're going to take, you know, we'll pay for this. And if we have cars that are running out there, we'll take the liability for them. I mean, Elon Musk is selling insurance now. He's not he's not giving away insurance. He's not saying to everybody, you've got free insurance. We take the responsibility for this car. If you buy autopilot and you're an autopilot and anything happens, it's on us. It's not on, Alan has talked about this at length many times. So that there are these two groups and it's in the UK, it's in the United States. They've, for the last three years, certain um, representatives and, and uh, senators have been trying to push through legislation to say, you can do this, you can test, you can, and you can do it from a, on a, on a pan US basis. You don't have to do this on a state, state by state basis like in, in Arizona. Uh, you can do this anywhere, and the and the insurance industry is saying no. We don't want this. We don't want you to to be able to do this until we come to an agreement on who's responsible and who's liable. And so it's, it's stuck, and it's yeah. it's stuck, and it'll continue to be stuck until until the companies that are doing this say, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna benefit from selling these systems at some point in time, then we need to take the issue on ourselves to be liable for as long as, as there potentially is, a, is an unknown here, uh, but they're not willing to do that. So that's why I said driverless dreams meet insurance reality. It's, uh, it's two groups that are, that are just bumping yeah, up against each other. We absolutely, I absolutely agree. We agree on this one. If yeah. you're going to be a responsible developer, maker of this technology, you have to, you have to upfront assume the responsibility, the liability up front. Mm-hmm. And the last thing you want to do, of course, as an insurance entity, it's bad enough you have to pick up and, and make whole the people that are involved in the crash and fix the car. And, you know, who knows what you do if, you know, when people get hurt and how you properly compensate them. The last thing you want to do is pay a bunch of lawyers that have nothing but meters running and ambulance chasers and all that and argue about it in court. Yeah. I mean, yeah. total, total, yeah. unbelievable waste. Yeah, exactly. Unneeded overhead. You want to be in this business. Part of the reason of being in this business is that you're going to be safe. That is a necessary condition. And you have to assume that responsibility. And if you need to have three people in there overseeing what's going on to make sure ready to take over if the thing goes haywire, put them in there. Because if something goes haywire, your responsibility. And in some sense, the big guy that took on the big responsibility of the big one is Uber, because as I keep saying, they lost sixty billion because Elaine Herzberg died. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? Because I mean, they had to know. Hey, if they bring me in as an expert for this, I'm going to I'm going to have them show me the code where Ned they turned the damn thing off and they saw her six seconds in advance and they didn't write the code properly to at least slow down. Okay. I mean, total irresponsibility on their part. Now, yeah. you know, it, it's tough. People make mistakes and so on. We can fix it and whatever and move on. But we got to know and we just can't go out there like loose cannons on a deck. Otherwise, guess what? This technology is not going to go anywhere. It's, it, it just isn't. Michael, no. you, po- you point out there that, that te- while Tesla is looking to expand beyond California in, in selling insurance mm-hmm. that it, that the insurance that they sell isn't such a good deal. No. And it's, it's the, uh, the studies that have been done on it, the, the comparisons that, that have been made on it basically say it's, you know, you get some perks for buying it from, from them, but you don't want to be locked into an insurance policy because you bought a Tesla and that the, that that insurance policy is sold by Tesla, and it doesn't matter if it's Tesla; it's any company. There are a number of companies that are getting back. GM is is trying to get back into the insurance business. I have no idea why they all they all were in the insurance business. They all got out of the insurance business, and now there's some of them are wanting wanting to go back. They're not they're not the underwriters. 
they're they're selling the insurance. Essentially, they're brokers for the for the underwriters. The underwriters are the guys who got all the money, and they they'll pay. You know, they're the ones who are going to make make the big big payments, uh, payment payment out. Even even with uh, Tesla's current, uh, although it's getting smaller market cap, they won't be able to pay the kind of of uh, fees or, or liability payments that, that an insurance company like an Allianz uh, or even even you know, State Farm would be able to pay, um, but it's it's a it's a way of it's a way of getting people to feel like you know we're doing the whole thing for you. And I can see this. It's like this with subscription, you get the whole deal. You don't have to worry about everything. We provide you sort of end to end service. But if you look at the numbers, if you really try to to say am I saving money here maybe I'm saving a little bit of time but am I really saving money and am I getting the best insurance that I could possibly get you know I don't know it's and and given the record that this that Tesla's had with giving things away and then taking them back you know it's it started out there are many many cases and I'm not going to go into all of them but essentially you know we're going to give you something but now wait a minute no we're not going to give you that anymore I want if I'm going to buy car insurance or any kind of insurance, I don't want to have somebody sit one day say, you know, I'm not really in that business anymore. Or, yeah, I know I promised you that, but mm, I, the situation's changed. And, and, you know, you understand. I've got to make money so I can go to Mars. Um, I, 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 don't want to be, I don't want to be in that situation. Yeah, but I, I think the way I've looked at the insurance thing, and, and in fact, I, I very much wanted to be an underwriter of this technology. I wanted, I would love to buy a company that, that is an underwriter of this technology, but because I think that the technology, my argument on the, on the safety piece has been, is that if the technology is focused on bailing me out when I misbehave, in other words, the automated emergency braking system really does work, okay? It really doesn't let me collide with things. Even if I jump in the backseat of a, of, a, of, a, of a Tesla and it's heading towards a tree, the automated emergency braking system must know that there is a stationary object ahead. How hard is it to start applying the brakes so even if i am in the back seat it doesn't go plow into the damn tree i mean come on this is this is grade school and they haven't done that for who knows what i guess they want full self-driving because that's something we would do and i can rent my car and what they didn't make it through the first grade we have to be able to do the automated emergency braking well. And that braking system can't turn on just because I pass under an overpass. It can't get spooked. It can't go do no da da da. It has to have a, 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 a false alarm rate or a, a false negative rate such that it, those things hardly ever happen. But when there is an object ahead, bam, apply the brakes. I don't even want you to swerve. Forget the swerve. You saw it soon enough. You're going, who knows? I mean, that, that crash that, that cooked two guys. I mean, what they hit the tree at? Maybe, tw- I don't know. If, if Tesla revealed the data associated with that, we would know. We would know that for who knows what reason, the automated emergency braking system, which which NHTSA should require just like electronic stability in every car. And it shouldn't be like the IIHS, you know, videos of this thing, 12 miles an hour. And, you know, what's how many miles per hour does it does does a vehicle reduce before it hits the stop vehicle head? Bah, bah, boom shows them going only reduce it to six and hit it. Come on, stop! If we can't even do that, how could we even think of doing 
everywhere level five oh thank you oh we'll do level five in which you don't even have to be in there are you joking i mean what what are people smoking out here i do want to make one i do want to make one point on the on the insurance uh, article for the for the listeners one of the reasons that people who are promoting this and thinking that this is a great idea is because tesla has constant contact with the cars and is is constantly taking the data from the vehicle and using that so it knows it knows exactly what happened to those two guys in the car in texas and, and has all of the data on that yeah. but this is a big but there is a major initiative that's going on and i've written about this a number of times and now it's it's getting serious that car data is not something that the car companies are going to be able to use for themselves. The car data is is viewed as part of what the customer has bought when that customer has bought the car. And that data that Elon and, and other companies are planning to use to provide super duper insurance because they've got all the data that they need about you and about your driving and about everything else that they need to know about you is going to have to be shared with other companies, whether those other companies are, are insurance companies that are currently in the market or co insurance companies that will become part of the market based on your data. You aren't going to own that data anymore. So the whole, the whole concept, the whole business concept based on using the data that's being produced in that vehicle and that you have access to because you've, cre you've created those connections are going to go away. And you, you can you can take you don't have to take my word on it, but you can start thinking about it because this is going to happen starting in Europe where GDPR has has already been implemented and is is oozing out into other other areas. So I don't I don't put much stake in that on that. Yeah. You know, that's a privacy yeah. issue. I bought yeah. the car. It's my car. I'm the one that's responsible for it. I have to buy insurance for it. I have to maintain it. I have to put oil in it. I have to put, uh, I plug it in. I guess, I don't know yet if it's a Tesla. I don't, put, I don't even know what I do with a Tesla. But, but this, but is the this is the reason why companies like, like Volvo are beginning to say, well, you don't really want to buy a car. What you really want to do is you want to take the car from us because that puts them in the position of owning everything. It's my car. It's my data, but they're not going to get around this with that because the person who's driving the car is a person. The entity in that car is the person, and that person will continue to own the data even if they don't own the car. This is going to this is this is huge. This is going to be something that's big, and it's going to continue. And it's starting, essentially, starting now. There's a there's an initiative in the in the in Europe and the European Commission. It's going out to review uh, called the Data Act, and it's particularly related to data coming from vehicles. I just wanted to make that point related to- I agree to the with you. I mean, whether I own the vehicle or not, this is data about me. This is micro uh, viewing me in terms of what I do. And they probably, each time I pick my nose, they probably go in there and record that. And, and so of course, yeah, no, that's mine. And, and that has to do with the whole data privacy things. You know, things that are associated with me, First of all, they shouldn't be used against me, okay? I mean, that's, that's, you know, that, that's self-incrimination. And secondly, yeah. you know, what the hell gives them a right to sit there and watch me and then, you know, oh, I can give you better service. I, I don't think I want better service from you. Thank you. I'd rather not. I don't know. My view. Yep. We'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, read the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Some great information there to help you make informed decisions. You may know that ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The website again is MOTOETF.com. We're back with more Smart Driving Cars and our guest, Michael Senna. Michael, in another piece in your newsletter, The Dispatcher, 
you take a look at the NHTSA study that showed a 7.2% increase in deaths on US roads last year, and you ask the question, why are Americans engaging in more risky behavior? Uh, yeah, I've I've tried to answer the question based on what the what you know what I've been finding here. It's it it seems counterintuitive. You know, there are, there are fewer people driving, and so you would expect that there's fewer fewer accidents. But what what NHTSA and other observers and and um, people who are, who are working on this have seems to have have uncovered is that. Yes, there are fewer people who are driving, but it seems that the people who are driving are more risk takers. Those who are risk averse are staying home to stay out of the COVID-19 COVID line of fire. And those who aren't, are not, they're risk seekers, get out on the roads. The roads are, are more open, there's less traffic, and they get, they, they get more risky with their cars and they have more accidents. I mean, that, that sounds like a logical reason for something that is appears to be counterintuitive. And these were 2020 figures when a lot of people yeah. really were staying home. Yeah. Now things yes. here in the U.S. have really loosened up quite a bit. I'm seeing a lot of traffic. Yeah, well, I'm seeing a lot of traffic as well. And and with more traffic, you get more people on the road to fill in the spaces so that there's there's less there are fewer possibilities to, to engage in risky behavior, but maybe the people who got used to being risky behavior didn't all get knocked off by, you know, getting themselves into accidents and they're still out there trying to fill those spaces that we leave between our car and the, the car in front of us. But uh, it's, it's an interesting situation to, to, to try to, to find an, you know, find an answer. And this is what they did. You know, let's, let's look to, to, to what could possibly be going on here and it sounds logical to me. Yeah, yeah, of course, sounds same here, logical to me also. I mean, uh, all the people who are the teetotalers and, and very careful and uh, the, obey the speed limit and, and dot all the I's and cross all the T's, we're staying home. Staying home, yep, like us. They, weren't, they didn't accumulate any vehicle miles. That's they also right. didn't accumulate any deaths, okay? Yeah. But all the people that would have died, yeah, normally they're out there and they find the seat is open road and they like go nuts. Yep. This yep. behavior just went through the roof. Oh, I don't need to stop for a red light. Uh, I can make it was it was yellow. It was yellow. Okay. Everyone <laughs> and and guess and of course it makes it makes all the sense in the world. There's you know this is getting back to the insurance bit. You know. The, the opportunity for insurance has been that if things like automated emergency braking systems worked so that we didn't crash when we misbehaved, then in fact, crashes would go down. So if I'm a responsible producer of these things and sell these things, I would expect I would expect that the amount of money that I would, my, my loss, as it's called in the, in the insurance industry, would go down. Yeah. But if I'm also the CEO telling you misbehave even more when you get these things, then the misbehavior is outweighing all the benefit of the working if the, if the automated emergency braking can, stuff actually worked. So all of a sudden, I'm not so sure that loss would go down and I should be in the insurance business. But the other piece of this thing is that, you know, I, we call them, I call them safe driving cars. You know, safe driving cars are really good. And I would like to sell insurance to every mother of a 16-year-old. Why? Because the misbehavior in driving is probably greatest at 16, 17, or whatever year old. 16 to 24. I do have a system out there. Uh, yeah, it's up to 24, I guess, is, a, is the numbers people use. But, you know, so I, if I do have a system that bails you out when you misbehave, that system should be reducing the loss of that segment of the market. And in fact, if I was an insurance company, geez, my whole book of business would be that segment of the market. I wouldn't even try to sell you, Michael, any insurance because I know you never misbehave. You are always doing exact. Guess what? Automated emergency braking system to you 
don't bother. It would never be, it would never be actuated. It would never be able to do anything because you never misbehave. So of course that segment of the market, you know, it's it's sort of the same argument we've been using with respect to, to COVID that, that exists here. Ellen, very real. No, Ellen, I don't like my argument. <laughs> no, I do, I do. But but deers happen to everyone. Oh no, I know. I, I yeah. this is my seventh one. Okay. All right. Oh, so, oh okay. Sorry, they don't happen to that much to everyone. No, I mean, I, I, it's just. <laughs> You got a lot of you got a lot of Canada geese. We don't have. We don't have a lot of. We don't have. have We're all nice, especially in Princeton. We're all liberals. Nobody has guns. Nobody's out there killing deer and and shooting them. I know. You have a lot of you have a lot of Canada geese. I'm sure that that, you know they're probably telling you drive over there. There's you know there's a bunch of Canada geese. (laughs) Oh geez, we always have fun with this, don't we? We do. Well, we should have fun. But this is very serious business. Yeah. It is. You mentioned this before, uh, Alan. You brought it up. NHTSA today ordering automakers and key here and operators to report any crashes involving fully autonomous vehicles or partially automated driver assist systems. I guess th- th- this is a pretty big deal. You know, I've also argued that, that with respect to safety, the whole industry should share there should be collusion for improved safety. I know, you know, collusion in business is antitrust is really bad, okay? Not when you deal with safety. And with respect to safety, you know, it shouldn't be, oh, I figured out how to avoid that one. I'm going to keep it a secret and only give it to my customers and, and the hell with, with Michael's customers. You know, that, that is just like goofy. With respect to safety, it should be a sharing Everybody should be in a room together. What great good ideas are out there. And the data that's associated with it, take people's names off of it. Make sure that anybody that's involved does not get negatively penalized because they let us see their data. Don't go say, oh, you went through a red light. We're going to give you a not traffic ticket for going through a red light because it's in your data because you were in a crash. Forget about the going through the red light, Okay. That's not important here, collecting fine from a person. That's just not important. The important thing is to find out what the hell happened and let's fix it. Because if this stuff isn't safe, there is no market for it. The public sector won't let it get out there. They'll make sure it doesn't get out there. Nobody's going to get a free pass and all that. Forget the investment, the hundred billion that's been put in this is going to have to be swept under a rug. It's going to take a really big rug and a really big broom. But there's not going to be any financial, societal, economic, you know, benefit come out of this stuff if we can't do the safety piece. Well, the the fear factor is... is or the fear card is being played right now by, by the people who have, they've tried to play the safety card and that hasn't worked. And they've tried to play the, the efficiency card and that hasn't worked. And now they're playing the fear card. And the, and the fear card is if we don't do this, China will, and then they're going to sell all these cars in the United States and we won't be able to benefit from it because they can test all they want everywhere in China and they don't care what happens. They're just going to make sure that they've got the technology now that they've taken whatever they need to do to get the technology um, and then put this into their cars. And guess what? That's not, if they're not safe, the longshoremen will not let them off the boats. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about that. That's, that would be, you won't be allowed to sell one. You won't be allowed to own one. You won't be allowed to, I mean, you know, that, that will be easy. That well, I'm, I'm I'm doing a segue into my into the musing section, the musing okay, okay, section so of, my, of the uh, no, the I'm... last the last section of of who crosses the bridge. Um, yeah, you know, I I think what I what I said basically what I said in that that this no one is connected the two dots with China that they're they're burning coal because they have to. They can't produce everything that we want them to produce and everything that we buy from them 
if, unless they burn coal and produce electricity and produce steel. I mean, the, 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 the different, they produce more steel than the rest of the world combined. And, and they're, you know, we're, we, have, we have put them in a situation where they have no choice but to continue to pollute the, the, the environment in order to produce all the products that, that we forced them to produce so that we can have them. And until we stop that, they're not going to they're not going to stop burning coal, and we're going to have to continue to have this discussion about you know who's who's going to be producing cars or or penicillin or whatever else, other than the factory that's in all the factories that are in China. So, my I hope people will read that that article. I know it's not directly related to cars and driverless driverless cars but it's indirectly related to it yeah, but just think uh, we can be, become carbon neutral because as far as we're concerned we're not we're not producing any carbon they are never mind uh, that was a <laughs> <laughs> but, well, one yeah. one more item to touch on from the smart driving cars newsletter alan uh, vw ceo says self-driving not electrification will change cars most you threw that in there. Well, maybe Any yeah, comments I mean, it here? Has the opportunity, sure, and it's a heck of a lot harder than electrification. I think it is fundamentally electrification's hard, and one wonders whether or not electrification, when you really look to see, hey, the energy has to be produced or captured or gathered somewhere. And if we're really going to move things with electricity, we're going to need a lot of creation, capture, and so on and so forth. And then there's, 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 there's this battery thing that's looming out there. And, you know, and you wonder if there's going to be, you know, a sort of a Hindenburg moment. I mean, can you imagine if we, what, what year was the Hindenburg, 34 or something like that or whatever, assume is that what people can look it up on Google. I mean, can you imagine like 1932, uh, the, the smart dirigible uh, newsletter that Kornhauser was writing at the time was talking about all this transatlantic traffic uh, movement across and, and wonderful, whatever, better than, 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 than any of these ocean vessels and so on and Titanics and so on and so smooth and efficient and fast and whatever and da da do da 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 and in one afternoon it was over it ended why unsafe Oh, 19, 1937, Alan, about 10 miles economy. away from me in Lakers. The, the hydrogen <laughs> economy in essentially 80 plus years from then has not recovered. Okay? Now, that's that's worse than Three Mile Island. It's, it's worse than Chernobyl. It's worse than Fukushima. So, look, if we don't deal with the safety, if the Tesla could not stop from hitting a tree, then Elon just better get his people back in the work and say, whoa, what the hell are we doing? And it has nothing to do with a guy jumping in the back seat and thinking that, oh, I have full self-driving and it could drive and let me show off to my friend. Not that suggesting that that necessarily happened, but we do know what happened the car hit the tree. Talk to me here. Uh, well, concerning Dietz, I, I think he's and he, he's been very good at, at trying to, to pull Volkswagen out of out of where it was several years a few years ago when they when they had the, the diesel gate, and his first move was to say. All of our cars are going to be electric, so don't even think about diesel because we've we've forgotten about diesel. So you forget about diesel as well. Unfortunately, the the amount of fines and everybody else going to jail and everything else continued. But he's beyond that, and he said, "Okay, I'm going to." And and this week he said, "We're going to be out of the the ice ice business in 2000, uh, 2035. Now I'm giving you the date. We're out of the ice business." 
so been there, done that, and now what, what else do I have to say? You know, I've got, I've told you everything else. Now I'm going to say, well, th that's all done. We're, we're in the electric car business. And now the most important thing is that we're going to be in the automated, highly automated driving car business. And that's the next thing I tell our investors and everybody else. So you continue buying our car. I mean, he's a salesman. And he's, he's been doing a great job. Same as the same as uh, Hokan Samuelson for, uh, for Volvo. He's been doing a terrific job of positioning the company for 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 an emission stock you know, entering the stock market, which will this time probably will happen. That was the last issue of the of the Dispatcher, you know, Chicken Little. Uh, the sky is falling. The sky is going to fall. They're going to go to go to the market. They're going to get the money, put it in bags, and take it over to uh, to to China. Um, so I, you know, I don't anymore. I don't really listen to what the what the CEOs of these companies are are saying because they're they're just talking to the market. They're trying to they're trying to pump up their market cap. You know, they're they're all. They're all. Most of them are, are, you know, just looking at Tesla and saying, "How could this possibly have happened? How can we?" And 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 the other companies, Neo and the other Chinese companies, entering the stock market and getting market caps as as, as large as GM and, and Ford. How could we let that happen? We've got to be better at promoting ourselves to get our stock up. And then, you know, it's working. Ford's stock is higher than it's been in I don't know, 20 years. Maybe not that long, but it's General Motors stock is up, Ford stock is up, Stellantis stock is up. So they're doing a pretty good job of talking to the investors, but they're not not—they're not really talking about what the car companies are doing because they're not really sure what they're going to be doing in five years. Always always great at uh, putting oh, things I, in I perspective. Think, let, me, let me just comment a little bit on that. I think, um, as I've said for I almost since the beginning, the the self-driving piece or what i what i call self-driving the fact that things that help me when i drive that i'm sitting there behind a wheel it's not really doing everything for me it's just helping me i think those are the really fantastic things about this technology for these ceos and that's the real value to the marketplace i you know i've flippantly said that this is the the the, the, the chrome and the fins of the 1960s and 50s coming to really sell cars because, you know, darn it, if my Mercedes would have worked a little bit better, it could have helped. It could have really helped me with that deer, I think. And, and, it, it, can, and, it, can, and it really is nice to, I, I love intelligent cruise control. Because I can take my feet off the gas and pedal, and I don't run up somebody's rear end. And 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 if the person then whatever uh, you know, it's it speeds back up. It just does what it does a simple automated thing. Hey, keep me separated from the vehicle ahead, or keep me going at a constant speed, so I don't have to worry about the police and so on. I can relax. The anxiety relief, the the value proposition beautiful and in a sense you know why do i have to turn the steering wheel keep the darn thing in the center of the lane i mean they're 12 foot lanes guys gals you know how my car i, I don't have a hummer okay even a hummer is not 12 feet wide or 11 and a half feet wide now if i if i have a class eight brig I mean, talk about the value of this stuff to that driver. Talk about the anxiety relief. Talk about the improvement in the quality of life of that individual that's spending 10 plus hours a day trying to feed their families doing this. And yet nobody's really selling that. No CEO is really selling that. They want to take the driver out. They want to be automated. They want to be level five. They want to, and it's got to go through snow that's this deep. And but, uh, I mean, I, it, it's a shame that there isn't some. And, and to me, I think then the then you know, 
maybe it's too naive. I'm too naive, and the marketplace wouldn't re respond unless you oversell it and you make it think that you can do donuts on your neighbor's lawn and 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 go up the Great Wall and go through ravines and whatever is you know. I, I don't know. I hate Wall. I, I, I hate Wall Street. I uh, I hate Madison Avenue and the Mad Men and that all this stuff although although the e-type was really <laughs> yikes get myself in trouble here fred <laughs> never Alan, never well michael we really want to thank you for joining us again yeah, uh, you, another great edition of the dispatcher that yeah, people absolutely. can find at michaellcena.com thanks michael my pleasure as always thank, thank you, fred. you thank hey, you Alan. So who are you guys playing tonight it's the ukraine Ukraine. Yes, they made it. Really? They made it through. The, yep, they made it through to the to the last to the sixteen, and it's going to be a tough game. And when you play France, we're going to. When you play, we're France. going to win. France is history. France Come on, is. History. France can't be history. Yes, <laughs> they were supposed to win it all, weren't they? Yeah, they, they, they were. They were supposed to win it all, but, but uh, it's all about. Switzerland got in the way. We also want to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. You can find more info at MOTOETF.com. You can find us once again at SmartDrivingCar.com on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you turn to for podcasts. You can get your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thank you all.